Welcome back, Cosmic Fam, to another episode of The Cosmic Circle, the official podcast of The Cosmic Circus, where we discuss anything and everything nerdy in the entire cosmos. On today's episode, we'll be discussing Daredevil's journey to the MCU. My name is Brian Kitson, head writer at The Cosmic Circus, and joining me today is Isla Ruby and Anthony Flagg. How are we doing today? Hello, I'm Isla, and I'm very happy to be here. I'm doing great. <laughs> hey, Glad to hear Anthony. Happy New Year, first off, and I'm doing good. I'm ready to talk to your devil. I'm so glad to have you two back. It's always great talking to you, too. And we're just going to dive right in. So going back, we're going to start way back in 2013 when Daredevil on Netflix was first announced. And this felt like a big deal. You know, this wasn't just Daredevil. This was Daredevil, Luke Cage, um, Iron Fist, Jessica Jones, and, of course, the Defenders. And then... It finally debuted in April of 2015. So what were like your first impressions or your first connections to the series? Because I have my own personal journey getting to Daredevil. It was very interesting, but I kind of want to know where the two of you started and how you got there. So whoever wants to go first, no pressure. <laughs> well, mine's more like working backwards rather than forwards because I didn't start watching the show till last year. Because in 2023, yeah, yeah, I never saw it before. So it wasn't until after I saw Minoe Home that I took the time to go and watch it. And I watched the first two seasons within a month, and then I slowly trickled out the last of the third. <laughs> um, that was Did fun. you get burned out? A little bit, because, you know, it had that Netflix theme to it, a lot of episodes, mm-hmm. and they were kind of long. But at the same time, I was also taking pauses because I started reading a lot of the comics. I started from like 2011 and then worked my way up to like present day. So it was kind of funny because the comics from the modern, they don't start off the same way as the show. The show's a lot more dark, which is fine. That's one of the best things about it. So, um, what do you think took you so long to maybe jump into that? Because I mean, like, that is a long time to wait, especially for someone who's a Marvel nut, as we all tend to be here at the Cosmic Circles. So like what was what took you so long to get there? I got to know. <laughs> I don't I don't know. I guess I never really thought about the character too much cuz I watched Luke Cage seasons 1 and 2 as they came out. Um I watched Iron Fist a little bit as it came out and a little bit of Punisher as well. So like I don't know why just Daredevil never seemed interesting to me. I remember trying to watch the first episode like 4 years ago and just didn't click for me until I went back and rewatched it and like I think episode 2 or 3 when he has that when he goes and rescues that kid and that's just like when i think most people are just like sold right then and there mm-hmm. and i kept moving forward after that sure absolutely i I, had... I hope that there's no slander for daredevil here no 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 it's okay i actually had a similar like backwards way into it um so i didn't really know much about the character i guess back when it was announced in 2013 um I you know I guess Captain America had just come out in 2011 and you know I I thought it was cool but I wasn't as super into the the MCU at that point you know my I was I was still very much a Spider-Man person and I didn't really care if if things weren't Spider-Man like I was I, I like Spider-Man. I don't know. So like I, I wasn't sold on the MCU yet. Um in 2016, I remember watching Jessica Jones, I think. Um, and I watched the first season and I watched a little bit about Luke Cage, but then Jessica Jones got super dark and I had to stop. I just couldn't watch it anymore. Um, and I think I just swore off all the uh Netflix stuff for a while. 
Um, so I didn't like start reading about it or start watching it rather until last year. And I think probably around the same time as, as you, Anthony, when I, um, you know, I, I just had an interest in it. So I started the first episode and, you know, I was hooked and I think I watched them all very, very quickly. I went through all the seasons and then I started reading the comics. Um, in in all the seasons, I also watched the defenders because of course that counts. And I don't know. I just, I love the character. I think it's, I think he's awesome. So that was my way in. So what's interesting is we, we all had very kind of similar uh, beginnings to the MCU with the exception of that. I started watching daredevil as it came. I did not start watching the MCU regularly until captain America, the winter soldier came out. I'd actually not seen most of those movies and had to buy them all individually after my friend was like, let's go see winter soldier in theaters. And I was like, okay, whatever. And then I was like, oh, this is great. And so I remember that when they announced Daredevil, it wasn't that big of a deal. But when you saw that first trailer, you know, up to that point, the only Daredevil I'd really known was Ben Affleck. And, you know, we don't talk about Ben Affleck's Daredevil, per se. (laughs) But the one that was presented in the trailer was just so so different. The Daredevil one was completely like 360 degrees well i guess that's completely round circle never mind 180 degrees circle not circle but it was a complete change and i kind of fell in love with that right away i was like wow this is an interesting take and i had remember i remember that uh me and a friend that day we had taken off of work and we binged the whole series in one day and i was hooked instantly i was like this is this is the show like it was dark and it was gritty and it was different but it wasn't unrecognizable i think that was very important because it was like still an mcu thing that i recognized but it was just a little bit different and so i really really enjoyed that i just want to jump in real quick and say somewhere out there in the multiverse ben affleck is daredevil no we don't we don't i mean maybe in secret wars but like that's the future (laughs) um with the Daredevil, though, being the darker take, there was a little more, uh, there was a little more violence. It sounds like Isla for you that was a little bit of like a, a little not okay. Like that sounded like it was a little too much for you. It the Jessica Jones just Jessica Jones season one, the end of it, and I think the start of season two it was just too much for me. And I just at that point in my life, I was like, I can't do this. So I think I needed time and space to you know kind of enjoy this all okay so for the two of you then what moments stuck out about out to you about daredevil on netflix Ooh, like what were those moments i mean this Man. Is i know season three but the prison hallway scene because that was freaking incredible filmmaking and just stunts and just incredible wasn't that one take it was one take and it was what 11 minutes i think it was just mm-hmm. Over ten minutes, I remember that. Yeah, I, I love that every. Se- I love that every season had a scene like that. Like there was the mm-hmm. stereo scene. What was that season two? And like every episode, every season had that scene that was just like pure cinematography master class. Like it was beautiful, and I love that there was like room for like both like beautiful shots like that, but also it was an action sequence. Like who doesn't love action? And that was just really really cool. 
what was it for you, Anthony? Like, what was what are some scenes that stuck out to you? Uh, they're gonna. You're not gonna believe this, but the scenes in season three when he was recovering, when he was inside of the Catholic church where he grew up as a kid, I really liked those because it really showed Matt's resilience, where he just didn't give up and fought his way back to be back in a um fighting form to continue, and then mm-hmm. also just the parallels of his him questioning his faith and and training there privately. I mean, one of my favorite scenes was uh when they hired the private boxer and the guy's like, but this guy's blind and wham, Matt's just like ready to start smacking mm-hmm. him around. And the guy's like, That's all funny. right, you know, like, sure. And, and his mom behind him the whole time. But I, I really liked seeing him work with the Catholic church in some of those specifically in season three. Um, mm-hmm. Other bits were his interactions with other characters, like Frank Castle with the Punisher, mm-hmm. that whole bit where, where they, you know, Frank's like, look, we do the same thing. We just do it differently. I know it doesn't make sense, but like they're working towards a common goal of justice. They just don't see eye to eye. And since I've read a couple of Daredevil Punisher comics, it was nice to see that um, interaction on screen. So I'm hoping, mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of the last one, was um, his his scenes with um, the ones that were like flashbacks showing his interactions with Elektra. I really enjoyed those as well. Just kind of building on the character more and showing the history without spending too much time there. You know, it's interesting. You you know, you both mentioned season three, which was great, but I feel like season two doesn't always get enough love. And I think because of what you just said there, Anthony, of just this like duality between Daredevil and the Punisher and like how that's constantly brought up in the season. And then you also have like the comparison between him and Elektra. And there is, there's this, it's not like a love triangle, but there's definitely this, like, he's kind of caught in the middle between these two people of, like, that all three are doing the same things, but so different. And he's the only one that has, like, this morality to him Um, that I think that season two is just, like, one of my top favorites. And I know it's not score-wise, people didn't care for that one quite so much. You know, it only has an 81% on Rotten Tomatoes compared to the 99 of season one and 97 <laughs> of season three. But I just feel like that does really stand out because it brings up an interesting dynamic that you didn't necessarily see in that first season because the first season was kind of his origin story. I think anytime you have, um, you have a, someone who turns out to be a villain, you have that turn, that twist. I think it's interesting, but I felt, I felt like season two of Daredevil and then the defenders was just a little bit squishy for me, um, Mm -hmm. villain wise. And I, I wish that I almost wish that it was like, written so that that Electra and Nobu and and everyone was just um more formidable um sure. I I think that I think that as far as um things I really enjoyed I really like you know like you said I really enjoyed the flashbacks seeing their past I thought you know anytime there are flashbacks in in a tv series where you see their life before or you see um you know their life maybe before they came into their powers I'm a big fan of that and on that same note I really enjoyed the scenes um in season one where we got to see about Jack and we got to see about you know uh Matt Mm. Murdock the kid and how you know he his his actual origin story for his blindness and how all of that came to be I really thought that was um emotional I you know we can all empathize with with a kid whose dad is, you know, gone and, you know, wanting to live up to that and all of that. Um, and 
I really, really enjoyed Rainy Deem. Um, yeah. You know, okay. he, was, he wasn't a flashback, but I thought that everything, every scene he was in, he was just like fantastic. And I thought the character was so complex and it was just really, really fun seeing him, seeing him on the screen. And I was sad when he was gone, but I understand why he needed to be gone story-wise. Was he an original character for the show or was he also in the comics? I don't, I feel like I remember him being a, like a character that was made for the series, but now I might be completely mucking it up, but I feel like you're right. He was a really good, he's a really good character to have um, in Daredevil because he had that, he had that conflict in him too. And he was in that season where there was, it was a lot more straightforward. There was, you know, going, we're going for Kingpin and, and we're not even Matt Murdock anymore. And he was kind of the balance between like a human and someone kind of stuck in that morality phase. He was original um, to the to the Netflix show. Um, okay. So I, I don't think he was in the comics anywhere. But uh, Anthony, you might be able to answer that better than I I can. Yeah, I think he was just a, a named FBI agent. I don't see mm-hmm. anything where he was actually in any comics. He was fantastic, though. Um, but something along those lines is you mentioned... Isla, the villains. And two things I think that we need to talk about for the Daredevil series is that there's a great cast of heroes. And by heroes, I mean his family of Karen Page and Foggy and even Claire Temple. But there's also some great villains throughout the series. We have, you know, Wilson Wilson Fisk mm-hmm. and we have Point Dexter, you know, and while we didn't get to see him be Bullseye, we were kind of headed that way. So, you know, let's start with the villains. Like, yeah, let's start with the villains. What were your guys' impressions of the overall villains? Maybe Sans Electra. Like we have Kingpin and he is like the ultimate mm-hmm. villain. And we have Bullseye, which we saw previously in the the film version with Ben Affleck, which this one was very different from that. So what did the two of you think of those two characters showing up in Daredevil? I think Kingpin is one of the scary Kingpin as he is in the the Marvel series is one of the scariest villains um, that there is. I think just so the acting to bring that to screen was phenomenal, but the writing was so incredible. He's just like he I don't know. I don't know if he's just, what his psychological problem is, but like he's just creepy. And, you know, he makes the hair on the back of your neck stand up and gives you goosebumps and just, you know, his conflict with with Murdoch and, um, you know, this back and forth between them is just so incredible. And so, like, it. I think mm. part of the reason why, for me, season two, the villain and the Defenders didn't work as much was because Kingpin was just so hard to beat. Kingpin's a good one. And, and I feel like he's a he's a constant you're gonna always need when you come to mm-hmm. Daredevil. Like you have to have him in the background. So many words have been said about him, and he was fantastic. But really, what I, I I'm just upset we didn't really get um a full bullseye. But I like mm-hmm. the twist that they took on it, where he had mental issues and and he broke after just a little bit of pressure of, of a denial from the woman, um, and then realizing the kingpin had manip- been manipulating him the entire time says a lot about not just dexter but also you know in this case kingpin and what he's not short of willing to do to get his way um i think you're right there i mean bullseye was very it was more interesting for me as a psychologist because it was the slow unravel of someone whose psyche was just barely hanging on 
And, you know, he had a very structured life. And the moment you kind of push that out of the structure, which we kind of see, you know, I think you, the interesting too is you got to see Kingpin kind of pulling things from behind the scenes, which in the first couple seasons, he, while he did that, he was very much the, like the, I'm going to beat you up, daredevil kind of mm-hmm. bag, you know? And this time you get to kind of see more of that crime organization of like, I can control an FBI agent, you know, I can control Ray and Deem and I can control Point Dexter. And while we didn't get to see him become Bullseye, I think that it's probably going to happen sometime in the near future, which we'll talk about in the next episode. But he, I think that they, they were very interesting bad guys. He was really flexing his like his intellectual manipulation of mm-hmm. everyone there instead of the violence. Like you mentioned, he really, um, you know, he he was moving the chess pieces all around to get people to do what they mm-hmm. um, what he wanted them to do. And I think that Bullseye also is really interesting because so when I looked at the actor beforehand, you know, Wilson Bethel, I had known him from Heart of Dixie. Heart of Dixie is very, very different than and he's from that show. Yeah, he's the like main romantic lead in that show. And I I was a Heart of Dixie fan and you know I <laughs> I was a, a Wilson Bethel fan. So seeing him in Daredevil and seeing how he pulled that off was just like it, it's just a testament to his acting ability because they're completely different characters. I had no idea he was in Heart of Dixie, but that is so different. He's Wade. That... Okay. That's so different than Daredevil. Yeah. Um, I don't know if any, either one of you have watched All Rise um, with mm-hmm. another actress from the yep. Marvel Netflix shows, but he's in that too, and he's completely different. So yep. um, that's very interesting. And so like for you, there was a, you already kind of liked him before this. I, I did. And I, you know, that was kind of, you know, the fact that I was just totally creeped out by him, you know, it's just a testament to mm-hmm. how, how well he pulled off the role. <laughs> I think that is very interesting too, because like these characters were scary. Like I think that like there was times where the villains just gave you the creeps. And like the one scene, the six hours, there's a scene in the first season where there's a bowling alley and I don't want to say too much, you know, for trigger warnings, but there's, <laughs> yeah. there's a bowling alley scene. And to this day, I still watch it and I cringe because it is like so grotesque but 100% makes you feel like these villains are real and not only are is is that scene that you're talking about grotesque but it's there's like nothing supernatural it's just pure no like evil violence and you know their fisk isn't supernatural there's nothing magical or powerful about him he's just like a bad dude and the same with bullseye Mm. um you know, Electra is a different story, but I know it was a different story, but, um, mm-hmm. you know, they, these were, I guess, street level characters that just mm-hmm. scary. There was a more realistic violence to the street level characters throughout the, all, all these shows. Turning then to from that, we have his band of heroes. So we have Karen Page, Fog, like I said, Foggy Nelson, Claire Temple, you know, Anthony, what do you think of these this team of the daredevil team will call them i've always liked foggy nelson in the show in the comics because mm-hmm. he's a good friend but he's honest you know when when matt decides to not loop him in on things he he acts reacts properly in my opinion and just kind of doesn't want to get involved with it mm-hmm. um i thought it was a powerful way for him to make that what was it run for da in season three 
and then yes. use it as the last minute power play to turn around and get Fisk arrested and get things moving for them. Cause that's a big, um, sacrifice. Yes. It's a huge sacrifice for him <laughs> to give you. Thank you You're for welcome. him to give that up. But, but knowing what the bigger stakes are, it was of course a you know great move from him, but at the mm -hmm. same time, it spoke to the faith he had in Matt mm -hmm. knowing he had to do this because together, they were going to come down and, and take him down. Um, mm -hmm. So Foggy's always been a righteous character. Karen, I do like Karen. There's just a lot of weird moments, but I think there was just more of the writing rather than her. Because, like, mm -hmm. I feel like she had a better chemistry with Punisher than with Matt most of the time. And and they didn't have that many episodes together. It was only, like, half of season two and a little bit of season three. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I, I've always... And she was in the Punisher too for a little bit. Yeah, but I only watched the first season, so I didn't. I didn't, don't think I okay. saw anything with her in it. But not just them. Um, Stick as well. I thought the portrayal of Stick was really, really good. Sure. I'm sure most people agree with that one, though. It's kind of a given. Um, about our, the only supporting character I really just am upset about is that they killed um uh, Leland so early on, and mm. um, what do you call it? And Wesley, I just really wanted to see more of them in later parts, especially Wesley because of how useful he was to Kingpin throughout it all for him to lose him. So, mm -hmm. yeah, there's definitely some weird, uh, like you said, they kind of dropped uh, that character. But I, I do, I have to say that I love Foggy for the fact that he is just like he's he is like righteous without being cocky. Like he's just like such a good person. He just wants to do good things. And I think that like when you described giving up his his run for DA in exchange um for Kingpin going to jail, like I think like for, you finally saw how they were so essential to the team that they weren't just these like secondhand characters. The thing about Karen Page though that I do love is that they went from like this very spooky entrance to her of like murdering someone or like potentially murdering someone and being accused of that to being like the right hand person to being like a journalist like she had a good arc and it started off very interesting but i feel like after a while they almost like forgot what to do with her like they didn't know quite what to do i think though we're also ignoring claire temple here because claire temple was awesome and she should be in everything rosario dawson is perfect i agree with you there she, you know from her introduction on daredevil just you like have so many questions about her and mm -hmm. she's phenomenal and in luke cage she was awesome and i just like i hope we see her again i know that's not what we're talking about on the podcast but i just want want more of her um i i think i totally agree with you that that foggy is kind of um like he, he's doing he's interested in doing the right thing but he's also very practical about it he's mm -hmm. you know he he kind of has realistic expectations and uses that to his advantage um i think karen was very um she had a great arc i think she, people did forget about her or i guess the writers whoever did kind of forget what to do about her i think she's the most realistic of a lot of um I guess the side characters are most maybe mm -hmm. grounded because, you know, she she's a woman who wants to get away from her past. She goes to the, the big city. I think that's, you know, something we can maybe identify with. Um, I mm -hmm. think that I, I, 
her becoming a journalist was interesting to me. I thought, you know, started kind of making Lois Lane comparisons in my head because yes, um, especially with the secret identity of, of Matt and, you know, her not realizing initially. And, and I think I want to think about that some more, but um, I was also very sad when uh, Ben Ulrich was killed. I really enjoyed mm-hmm. his character. Mm-hmm. Again, I know why they had to do it story-wise, but he was super likable and that makes me sad. <sighs> You know, the thing about Karen, too, is I do like that they made her more than what I haven't read a lot of comic books. So correct me, Anthony, but like she's kind of just like the person that runs the office. At least that's how I remember her from the first uh, from Ben Affleck's film, where she was played by Ellen Pompeo of Grey's Anatomy, which is always very interesting to me. (laughs) I didn't know that. It still strikes me as very like very odd to think that like she's that was one of the first things I saw her in and I went through how many seasons of Grey's Anatomy with her, but I digress. <laughs> but she was just like the professional secretary. She like that's all she did was like she took their notes and she like answered the phone calls. And Karen Page in Daredevil got a, a more significant role, which is probably much better than just making her professional secretary. Yep. Pretty like you said. She was pretty much just taking calls and everything. At least when she started, mm-hmm. she's kind of waltzed in and like, "Hey, I need a job." And they're like, "Sure, mm-hmm. you're pretty. This, this is perfect, <laughs> you know." But um, they didn't really establish her with a real relationship until later on, which is actually where I was at when I was in the where I'm at currently in the '90s. Was was uh, she ran off to go to the West Coast to be a radio announcer, and oh. then comes back to New York. Because a lot of bad things, I don't want to say them on podcasts, a lot of horrible things happened to her while she was out there. Mm-hmm. And then she comes mm-hmm. back to Matt kind of like looking for comfort and mm-hmm. he takes care of her. And, and it plays out a lot more and it's actually really enjoyable. So that's the oh, wow. Marvel Knights run like from 1998 where it begins. It's, it's mad right from the beginning. So at the same time, they also at least for the show they gave her a little bit of trauma like she just wakes up and like oh my god i think i killed my coworker and there's people after me um but they kept her from being completely useless as you know she ran around those last two seasons and was telling stories on her own and gathering evidence and and working within her power but i i don't know about her coming back i'd, I'd be all right with her not coming back Okay. It's, al- it's almost a trope right with her because she's covered in blood and but mm-hmm. she grows because she has she very much has her own wants and she you know does doesn't um do things to make in, in service of the other characters she like she has her own agenda and you can see that when she kills um wesley and you can see that in just some of her her other when she deals with the fallout from that it's she's she's her own person living out her own story and i think that's a, a real strength of the character and i think that that is the strength of a lot of the characters is that they all grow they're not just very static characters you know this isn't just matt murdoch's story even though he's daredevil and i think that the way that it kind of progresses to the end which we're gonna have to get to in a second is you know they all ended up happy but they all ended up changed you know, it ended with, spoiler alert, uh, with Kingpin ending up in jail 
and Matt and Karen and Foggy are all going back to their law office. And then the series was canceled on us in, you know, in November of 2018. And we thought that was the end. We thought this was over. Well, so, um, some people thought it was over, but the Daredevil fans, you know, never gave up. There was that whole giant campaign. Save Daredevil. Just, yeah, Save Daredevil. And it worked. And I think Charlie Cox even went to some of the Save Daredevil events and was like so touched by, sure. by their campaign. Yes. I, yeah. I think that like we wouldn't be, I think we wouldn't be even having this conversation of a return if it wasn't for Charlie Cox. You know, we didn't talk a lot about him in his own series, but that man embodied Matt Murdock and Daredevil very well. Mm-hmm. And I think he's the reason, I mean, he, obviously he's the reason it's all coming back, but like they didn't recast him. They brought him back. That's huge. I just want to point out that he has a British accent in real life and how jarring it is. <laughs> this is like, I, since we're talking about him, how jarring it is to hear him talk normally and how like great he was in Daredevil, how that doesn't mm. come out and how he embodies this Hell's Kitchen guy so well. <laughs> that is a fair point. I watched a TV show with him recently where he has his British accent and it threw me off for a long part of the series. Yeah, I also watched King of Thieves that he's in, and that one, same. I was just like, yeah, I forgot you, you're not you're not actually American. <laughs> <laughs> so, we some people thought it was going to be the end in 2018, but fast forward to the worst kept secret of the MCU besides the Spider Man. Um, he returned <laughs> in Spider Man No Way Home in 2021, and everybody knew this was happening, and. There was leaked photos, and they still just they rode that. So, what is your impression of him coming back? And is he, in your eyes, the same Daredevil from the Daredevil Netflix series? Inquiring minds got to know. Anthony's thinking about this. I know. <laughs> Did you not like it? No, I liked it. I'm just thinking: is it the same universe? I think parts of it are. Do you think it's like a piecemeal kind of thing? I think so. In this case, just work with mm-hmm. what they do like and want to use, and then everything else doesn't matter. I just like the fact that if you think about it in the deleted scenes, you technically got Matt Murdock with the multiversal Foggy Nelson, since John Favreau <laughs> is Foggy Nelson in the movie. Oh. True. That is true. And, and you're referring the table. You're referring to Daredevil, right? The the with with Ben Affleck, and he was he was the foggy he was, in that yes, movie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um. So kind of like a piecemeal kind of thing. Okay. Isla, what about you? I so, you know, before Spider Man, I didn't get like why people were so excited about Daredevil because I hadn't um hadn't entered the Daredevil excitement yet. Mm-hmm, um. Mm-hmm. But people cheered in the theater for him and his yes. return, and that was pretty cool and pretty powerful. I I really liked. That so it was, there was a deleted scene, and then there was that that re- Anthony's referring to, mm-hmm. um, and it's like in a conference room where, you know, he's a client or he's representing mm-hmm. Favreau, um, as you know his client, and then there's the scene with with Spider Man, and I just think it's says so much, right? He's mm-hmm. he's being he's in his lawyer firm form. He's like doing good. He's getting Spider Man off. Mm-hmm of the charges and and all of that but then he's still daredevil he catches this brick 
Mm-hmm. And it's just like so powerful and so um so kick ass. And I, I I enjoyed that and that return. Um I think that I don't know if it's part of the MCU. I have a lot of questions. I need more more content to figure out sure. if it if it's part of the if he's the same daredevil. Um I want to believe that it is and that he is. So that's where I'm at. I think that, you know, having been on the hype train for what it was, and at the time I hadn't seen season three, but I had loved Charlie Cox as Daredevil. And so just when there started to be those hints of like Charlie Cox is coming back and like, I was super excited. I was like, this is going to be great. While it was a short entry back into it, it was just like this connective little tissue of just like, it wasn't all just a dream or wasn't all for nothing. Like granted you can enjoy daredevil on itself, but you know, the MCU has always built itself on this prideful connected universe. So to have this like moment of be it the same daredevil or it's a variant, you got to see that he is in this world and he's not just a lawyer. He still had his powers. He still caught that brick, which was awesome. You know, like it was actually faster than Spider-Man's Peter Tingle. Like, yeah, that was something cool. You know, I really uh, on that note, too, I really want to believe that it is the same universe because in I, I think in the Daredevil pilot, right, there's this kind of allusion to the greater MCU. And I think there's mm-hmm. there's this allusion to buildings being wrecked and that helping real estate prices. I think it's the pilot or the second episode. And, you know, they're, I think they're referencing, referencing the incidents with the Chitari, the, uh, you know, the events from the Avengers. Yeah, exactly. And I think that I I just want to believe it's the same because of that. They actually refer to it multiple times in the first season as the incident. Yes. Yeah, the incident. And it's even on like newspaper clippings in um, Ehrlich's office. And he's talking about it. One of them even mentions like the Hulk. Um, but I, I feel like Anthony, you're, you're probably right. Cause it does open up a can of worms because when you start to think about it, like cloak and dagger mentions Luke cage and Luke cage is in this world. And then you also have to take iron fist and like nobody liked iron fist. And so it does become kind of a game of like, is it easier just to say this is a variant and to bring back the people we like and keep the people that we don't like out and recast those, or is it kind of, is there a way to do it story-wise that like, all of this time we saw with these characters still mean something to this character in this world. And I want to believe it is too. Um, but if it is, what do you guys think happened with the snap? Cause that, that was, that's a major <laughs> point. You know, this was the blip. This, did he disappear? Did he come back? Who came back? And I think that leads into the Hawkeye section too. Since I thought about this the other day before, while we were prepping for this, I'm going to say he didn't get snapped because that's how he spent all that time to get past in the bar in California so he could practice for She-Hulk. So I totally looked this up and I'm going to interrupt real quick because I was wondering (laughs) that as well. So apparently if you're a lawyer in one state, you don't necessarily have to pass the bar in another state to um, like to practice. Sometimes you'll have a helper attorney, but it's something called, and I'm going to butcher this, but it's called pro hack vice where you like, tell the ask the court to um basically to to do your job for this one case so that could be an explanation i'm just jumping in there because i looked it up because i was curious about (laughs) what you said there's also a chance that he was already practicing beforehand back in the Mm -hmm. day so Mm -hmm. that could expedite it yeah i've thought about it i mean how many times could he have represented what was the designer's name 
Um, <laughs> not Melvin. Melvin was his guy in Melvin was the New one York. in, in yeah. the in the Netflix the Gladiator. One. Yeah, but I'm thinking but of you're... the one in She-Hulk. But it's like, no, he could have represented him before in another one. That seems like there's probably a reason why he has him on retainer to begin with, because he's like, I only work with famous people. Well, Daredevil is really not that famous because he only really operates out of one borough in New York City mm -hmm. on the other side of the country from where this guy works. That's a fair point. I do think it was kind of interesting to throw him in there, but I think like it was the easiest way to give a bigger introduction to him being back in the MCU. But I think you're right. Like Logistically, it doesn't make sense because how often are people flying across the country? I guess if you're a big wig lawyer, maybe that, that's a bigger idea. You know, Maybe that's a bigger concept that you could do. Well, if I recall, I want to say like in season two or three that they mentioned, or maybe it was in Defenders, that like Matt had never really left the city ever. Mm -hmm. Like there's a mention of it somewhere. I can't remember right now, but they say like, yeah, you've never really left not just the city, but let alone the state of New York. So like something mm -hmm. must have happened at some point for it to happen, for him to be able to practice. Right. And to find this superhero costume designer, because that's not something you can exactly stumble upon. You got to know somebody mm -hmm. that's going to tell you, okay, you see this guy, he's going to make you a suit. And mm -hmm. if, if Matt knows somebody who tells him like where to get a suit has, um, has Daredevil had interactions with other superheroes because there sure were a lot of suits and hangers and, and things mm -hmm. there in that studio that, you know he's he's costume designer to to all the avengers i think that's is it i think it's it kind of opens up a spot for daredevil to be friends with sure. or professional colleagues with other superheroes so the thing about the 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 snap for me that i want to say that he was snapped and this is my reason why there's two th reasons i think it makes it easier for people to accept him being with she-hulk or something if it was like a similar situation to Dr. Strange and, um, oh my gosh, what was her name? Christine. Christine, mm -hmm. yes, because if he was snapped, Karen could move on. Mm -hmm. If Karen's already with someone else, then like that takes care of that storyline rather yep. easily. I think it also makes sense, too, because for five years now, he hasn't worked with Spider-Man. You know, Spider-Man's been active all these, I guess he was blipped, too, but like, you know what I mean? Like he came back and there was, there was not, I don't know. It just, it, it feels like that's the simpler answer. He's just been gone for five years and he has to refine himself. You know, he's born again now. He's, he has to refine himself in his life and in his world. And maybe in a way that was simpler to go somewhere else in the world, going to California to defend someone when you have no ties here anymore, because everybody's moved on because like, they thought you were gone. So I want to believe like maybe that's part of it, but mm -hmm. It also could explain maybe how Kingpin got out of jail because, you know, when we see Kingpin again in Hawkeye, he's an active crime lord again. He's not the he's he's not in jail where we left him. Well, he's he's an active crime lord, but he's not super effective. Right. He's got the tracksuit mafia, which, sure. you know, they're not they're not the brightest of the bunch, um, sure. e except for for Kaz and and, and Echo. So. Like he doesn't quite have, he doesn't seem to quite strike as much fear as he once did, in everybody's heart. So I he is know. big and imposing. Yeah, but I don't feel like he was effective. He seemed more comical than scary, which I mm -hmm. love that you said that earlier about. He was one of the scariest villains. Kingpin was terrifying in Daredevil, mm -hmm. and he almost seemed like a joke. Come Hawkeye, 
the 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 kingpin and Hawkeye was not the same kingpin that cut the dude's head off in the car. They're just not yeah. on the same level. Yeah. Um, no way. Like he didn't think twice. Like he met Echo in that, you know, in the behind those buildings at the end, and there wasn't the hint of like I'm going to kill you. He was like almost sad and kind of like forlorn and like there wasn't there wasn't like any intimidation and even with like when he's ripping the car off the door off the car to get to kate bishop's mom there wasn't i didn't feel terrified she looked terrified that which is great but like i didn't feel terrified watching him do it it just kind of looked like he looked funny i think the biggest evidence that maybe we are in a different maybe the mcu Daredevil and, and Fisk are not the same, actually kind of surrounds that and surrounds Echo because she, you know, in in Hawkeye, uh, Fisk was basically like her dad, right? She, mm-hmm. you know, he raised her. That's all of, you know, he was with her and he cared about her. And I find it very hard to believe that if she was so important to him in, you know, in in Daredevil that we wouldn't have seen an appearance of her somehow. So I think because we did not see an appearance of her and and she, you know, has now appeared, I I don't think they're the same, um, the same iterations of the character. That makes sense. I mean, because you're right, there is Vanessa's his whole life, right? He gave everything to, literally everything to be with her. He like created a whole crime lab out of his house and gave in to whatever she wanted to be with her and she wasn't around and he just kind of well he wasn't intimidating he was not scary i need scary daredevil i need scary <laughs> kingpin and maybe he's going to be scary again come daredevil born again let's hope so do you consider eye patches scary <laughs> um is he a pirate that's what i wanted to see I think we're getting the eye patch. I feel like this is happening <laughs> if or when Echo ever comes out, which you know we're still waiting on that one. But that's, that's for next episode. episode. Yeah, that's, mm-hmm. that's there's a lot to talk about there. A- Anthony, did you feel like he was an effect? He was effective in Hawkeye. I know that like Hawkeye as a show, I liked, but mm-hmm. he just Kingpin fell a little flat for me. I don't think he was that effective because they do the simple chuckle in what episode two to show him up and then they're like oh it's that guy and it's like an angled photo on a cell phone from a security camera it just felt like a huge disservice to him and then his introduction or no not i wouldn't say his introduction but like the conversation he's having with kate's mom where he's kind of like no you can't do this to me and i'm like come on man you're the kingpin and you're like oh i'm gonna be kind and i'm gonna give you a minute to think about this like he would have never said that in any capacity or rewording in the original Netflix series. And so like, I don't know, big, big down. found it interesting that he was able to take a lot of uh, arrows and just kind of shake them off and get hit Mm -hmm. by a car. (laughs) But that I feel like falls more in line with the actual Kingpin. So that was like the one plus I could give him in Hawkeye. I don't think that Daredevil fans quite got the payoff that maybe they were promised with Kingpin and Hawkeye because I really enjoyed Hawkeye. I just was rewatching it again because I enjoyed it so much. But if you were a Daredevil fan, like th- there was this all this foreshadowing. You know, you mentioned the the photo, but there was also the Presidential Hotel, which if you watch mm-hmm. Daredevil, that's pretty freaking important. 
And yes. that was where this glitzy party is. And, you know, your spidey sense should have been tingling if you were a Daredevil fan, if you saw that. And then, like, nothing happened. It was, he was in the back of a restaurant in a Hawaiian shirt. So mm -hmm. that was not satisfying. And he almost seemed desperate. Like, there mm -hmm. was, like, this yes. desperation to him a little bit, which could play into the, he's lost all his power, he came back with a snap. But he was... You know, in the Daredevil series, he's very calm and collected. Like, even when he... And I think that's what makes him so scary, is that even when he's doing these horrible things, he's just so calm, and he doesn't let people rile him. And this one, he let, you know, Eleanor Bishop riled him quite a bit. And Kate got on his nerves. And even even Maya, you know, Maya, his, his adoptive daughter, was annoying him. And he was just getting so bothered. And so, like, everything's falling apart. And just, it just feels like there was not a lot of payoff. Like you said, Isla, there wasn't a lot of payoff for this character. But then switching to She-Hulk, we had a reintroduction of actual Daredevil. Like, he wasn't just Matt Murdock. He was Daredevil. And he was in a new suit. What do we What do we like about that? Do we like that? Do we not like that? I love the suit because it's a callback mm -hmm. to a really, 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 really old Daredevil. Like, very beginning. Mm -hmm. um and i like I, I thought it looked good yeah in the dark as well like because you know we had a little we first see it it's dark as hell you can't really make it out and then the headlights kind of like shine up and give you the yellow but then in that finale you get to actually see the suit itself and mm -hmm. I, I liked it um and and the horns finally like some nice effective horns that stick out that are subtle just like the ones you would see in the comics mm -hmm. um as much as I did enjoy the introduction of Daredevil, I really liked the Matt Murdock bits, though, because one mm -hmm. thing I always felt shortchanged yes. by in the original series is that we didn't get that much of Matt being a lawyer. And then mm -hmm. when he shows up, boom, he can immediately tell, oh, something's up just by a sense of smell because they, they didn't use it that much in the Netflix series. So I was happy to see them do that where he knew he'd, he like had a little smirk like, I know I won this. Because that's mad. He is a little cocky because he knows these things. He knows when he's presenting and arguing in court that he's not going to go in there just to throw and hope something works. Like, mm. So for him to go in there, win the case within a couple minutes, which is brilliant. And then to follow up, he does what Matt does and seduces Jen at the bar right after that. I have to say about the suit specifically, love the suit. Mm -hmm. I liked the fact that it was reminiscent of the Daredevil, Daredevil suit from the series, but it was different with the different colors. And when, you know, for a long time now, we were talking about, you know, people were hinting about the yellow suit and I'm like, oh, this is going to look so cheesy. How is this going to work? It worked. And it was really, really cool looking. And I hope we get to see this more again, because I know with, the Marvel studio shows on Disney plus we go through suits. Like we're going through candy. <laughs> um, I guess it's not just the shows, but it's all, it's everything with Marvel. We go through suits a lot, but that was just a really cool suit. I agree with you, Anthony too. The fact that we got to see him be that Murdoch and we got to see him having fun, which is not something we got to see a lot of because he was on such a mission in daredevil. He was trying to take down this whole crime organization and he actually was having fun fighting with She-Hulk and being a lawyer. And there was, it was just like really refreshing to see this different side of him. And I think I liked it more, mm -hmm. which maybe is a hot take. He didn't have a lot of, the character didn't have a lot of joy in Daredevil. It was just kind of like 
misery, which, it, you know, there are some moments with Foggy that, that were joyous, but it, I really, I agree with you. I really appreciated the fact that he seemed, the character was having fun in Daredevil and we got to see that, or in uh, She-Hulk and we got to see that, um, that other side of him. And as far as the suit, I thought it was a really cool suit. It, it's very hard uh, to top, in my opinion, the black mask and the black outfit. And sure. I know that's not the Daredevil suit, but that's just like <laughs> personal personal feelings. Um, I would be cool if that returned for the next uh, sure. Daredevil series. Um, I think that you know he the lighter side was great, and you know the the sense of smell that you mentioned, just those other um, those other like powers i guess to mm -hmm. to call them something that were that were heightened the other senses it was kind of cool mm -hmm. to see them in action correct me if i'm wrong there was a run of comics where he did have the black suit or like a black suit like that in fact they're using it for spider-man uh freshman year correct yes okay um so it would be cool to see that again because that was such an iconic part of him but did She-Hulk did his did his part in She-Hulk make you excited for more? Absolutely, mm -hmm. I was already excited about him coming back, totally. but like to see him practice law that made me happy, and then seeing him follow up by being cocky Matt Murdock, and then third follow up still kicking ass like he always did because he was having a good time in that compound. Absolutely, I think that it was really exciting to have him back, and I cannot wait for more, and I cannot wait to discuss his future and what comes in a in an episode soon but unfortunately we are running out of time so we'd like to continue this conversation check us out at thecosmicservicus.com or you can find us on twitter or other social medias at my cosmic circus uh thank you again so much for tuning in to the cosmic circle i'm brian kitson and you can find me on twitter at kitson 301 isla anthony thank you so much for joining me today uh before we let everybody go can you tell us where they can find you yeah, you can find my writing at the the website, like like you mentioned, and I'm on Twitter at T U L I N Writes. Anthony, you can find me at Rodova underscore. I'll be retweeting this as I always do. <laughs> we love having you both on here. I cannot wait to come back for part two where we talk about uh, Daredevil's future and what's going to come in the MCU with this character. Thank you again, everybody, for tuning in. Can't wait to have our next trip to the cosmos together. Take care. Bye. Bye.